Today is the 13th of October 2022. Today is the day that we commemorate the ascension into heaven of the ninth Thai king. He was one who cultivated parami, spiritual virtues, to a very high degree, cultivated parami of many different types. Just like all the bodhisattvas uh, cultivate these spiritual virtues, these parami. And all bodhisattvas build these parami until they're full and complete, until the point where they're able to awaken to fully self-awakened Buddhahood. And in China, in the Shaolin temples, in various uh, temples of the Shaolin tradition, they chanted to the ninth Thai king as well. And this is something that gives the country a coolness and happiness. And so for ourselves, we also cultivate our spiritual virtues. For the people, we practice the generosity, virtue, and meditation. You can also say virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. And we do this as an offering to the king. And to cultivate these paramis of the, for the bodhisattvas, it's something that's not easy to do to the point of awakening. For example, our Buddha, he built his parami and he met with many other fully self-awakened Buddhas on his path of building parami. A great many other Buddhas he met on his path as a bodhisattva until the point where he received the prophecy of his own future Buddhahood. That's something that we chant uh, in one of our chants about the 28 Buddhas, these different Buddhas that our Buddha met with on his path of building Parami. And he received his prophecy of Buddhahood along the way then realized awakening. And we have faith in this, we have belief in this, that the Buddha is the refuge of the beings of the three worlds, the highest refuge of humans, heavenly beings, Brahma gods, and those lower than the human realm as well. So we have faith in the Buddha and the awakening of the Buddha. And the spiritual virtue of faith, it's something important, not easy to come by. And to have the Buddha awaken, to teach, and to realize Parinibbana. And if we have wisdom, then we'll recollect the qualities of the Buddha, recollect his great wisdom, and we have the faith to do this, and we feel happiness and fullness arise in our heart easily. Then we try to practice following the Dhamma teachings of the Buddha. We practice to cultivate our hearts and minds, because we know that having been born, we must age, we must sicken, we must die. In the beginning, everything we cling to as self 
as me and mine, you and yours. This is the mind that's lost in delusion. Because the nature of all things, their nature is to arise, stay for a little while and cease. But we cling to it all as self. And in the end, nature is able to teach us and we can give rise to knowing and wisdom some of the time. We can see the Dhamma. But if we don't understand this, then we're lost. We're born with delusion, we live with delusion, and we die with delusion. So what should we do? We should cultivate our hearts and minds to complete and full knowing. This is something that doesn't happen in a single day. If our spiritual virtues are ready, then we can do it in a single time period or in a short time. But for now, we're cultivating our parami. This is something that takes time. Once a human is born, then it, the time it takes for them to learn to speak and to walk, to learn in school and to get a job and work, and then to succeed in that work, this is something that takes a long time. And in terms of our meditation practice, if we have past uh, spiritual virtues that we've cultivated, then we can strive in our practice, and then in 10 days or one month, our mind can realize a degree of peace. The body and mind feels light, and samadhi is well established. We see the fruits of Dharma practice then. His fullness and happiness of heart arise. And we understand the Dhamma more gradually, bit by bit. And the mind realizes emptiness more and more. This is something that arises and it's something that we've never experienced before. Because in the past we've just had self, just had me and mine arise. And in terms of our Dhamma practice, it doesn't have to be difficult. We take these five aggregates. We can also say Rupa and Nama, materiality and mentality. We have the body and there's feeling, perceptions, mental formations and sense consciousness. And these five aggregates give rise to suffering when there's clinging and attachment to them. And the end of suffering is just that abandonment of that very clinging and attachment to the five aggregates. If we abandon that attachment a lot, then our suffering will reduce great, greatly. And if we see the five aggregates as not self, then we see the Dhamma. And if we know the Dhamma, then we know emptiness. We see that the five khandhas are completely not self. This is something that can arise in our Dhamma practice with regard to materiality and mentality. And when the eye sees a visual form, this is also in the realm of materiality and mentality. The eye sees a form, and if our eye and our senses are functioning properly, and there's a visual form that's uh, available to be seen, 
then the experience of seeing arises. But if the eye is not working, and there's various problems with the eye, like with the retina, with the rods and cones, and so on. Or if the image isn't there, if there's nothing to be seen, then the experience of seeing doesn't arise. But the knowing element can know this, can know that one is looking but not experiencing the sight. And also the knowing element knows that when we look and we do see, so this is in the realm of mentality. And then if we feel that we hear something or feel something, taste something, smell something, or experience a mental object, it's all the same for all the six senses. When the appropriate sense organ, nervous system is complete and functioning, then there is contact at that sense door then that's materiality and mentality arising right there. And the mind, the knowing element, it clings to this mentality and materiality as self. So we see something or we hear something. We see that the nerves in the ear receive a sound. But if the ear has degraded, gradually uh, degraded, then the sound can be there but the ear and the nerves in the ear don't receive that sound because they're not working. And in that case, we don't experience hearing even though the sound is there. Or there's no sound. Even if the ear is working and the nerves are good, we don't experience hearing because there's no sound. It's also possible that there is a sound and the ear is functional, but there's no intention to hear anything there's no interest or intent to hear, and we don't experience hearing in that case either. For instance, someone may call our name, but our mind is occupied elsewhere, and we don't hear our name being called. This is something that can happen. So we see that the experience of hearing, it's just something that belongs to nature, it's just a natural process. But the knowing element, the jitta, clings to this experience of hearing, this mental experience of hearing, as me and mine, as self. The experience of hearing arises and ceases, but in truth it's just an illusion, it's a deception. There's no real reality to it. But if the mind lacks samadhi, collectedness, then we don't see this. We don't know this when we cling to that experience. So in order to know this clearly, we need to have wisdom. So how do we get wisdom? How do we have wisdom? We have to train, we have to practice Dhamma. We need firmly established Samadhi. We need firmly established mindfulness. These are the causes we need to lay down need to have virtue, restraint of body, speech, and mind, to see the drawbacks in the cycle of birth and death in samsara. Because we see that the qualities of greed, aversion, and delusion are there in the mind, giving birth to the sense of self continuously. 
we see that this birth of self has happened in our past lives all the way up to the present day, and that these lives don't last long, and no long time we die, that degradation happens. And we see that one who's died already doesn't have anything left. The earth element goes to the earth element, the water element goes to the water element, the air element goes to the air element, the fire element goes to the fire element. And having died, where do we go? We follow our kama. We follow the causes and conditions that have been laid down. Today, I had the opportunity to speak with a monk, as a senior monk, ordained the same year as myself, was the same age as myself. He's the abbot of the Sri Mahabodhi Tree Monastery in Sri Lanka. And now he is sick. He came here to Wat Mapchan before to visit. And I joined him in the celebration of the Ruan Velesiya Chedi in Sri Lanka, a very large Chedi in the city of Anuradhapura in Sri Lanka. And he felt some concern that he might die before the Chedi festival. And he wanted to go to that Chedi festival before he died. But he was able to be alive long enough to go to that Chedi ceremony. Then not long afterward, he had to have a heart operation. And that was about four years ago, the time has passed. And at this point, his body is, is done, it's exhausted. His liver is uh, not functioning. Even though as a monk, he didn't drink alcohol, his liver isn't working. We don't know what the cause is. His kidneys are also not working. And they're not able to replace his liver or his kidneys. So his body is uh, finished, it's done. But his mind is joyful and happy. I paid a visit to him over the phone, saw that his mindfulness was well established. He didn't have fear in his mind. He wasn't worried about his monastery or anything else. He wasn't, didn't have concern in his heart. I also don't have worries about this because these are outer things, they're external. One can't do anything about them, but the mind is that which is important. Having died, where will one go? So therefore, one must train one's mind to be better and higher, more developed, to bring the mind from one with thick defilements to improve it to build the quality of virtue, to have the five precepts well established every day. Then on the day off, the lunar observance day, one can observe the eight precepts if one has time. One cultivates one mind, one's mindfulness bit by bit. And this can be hard to do, this cultivation of mindfulness. And why is that? because the mind is used to being lost in proliferation all the time. 
Whenever there is sense contact in receiving sense objects, the mind proliferates based on them. Proliferates about this story and that story. Proliferates about this experience and that. The mind just proliferates like this without ceasing. Have we ever seen the mind be still before for the mind to be really still? And we see that mind has this nature to constantly proliferate after objects and after memories, memories of me and mine, you and yours, of self. So therefore we need to train and practice to give rise to peace and collectedness, to make the mind firmly established, to have mindfulness firmly established in order to give rise to wisdom, this all-around knowing to know conditioned things fully and completely for what they are, to know materiality and mentality, then one is able to start to understand. The mind becomes still bit by bit. The mind becomes still in samadhi. Then we're able to learn and understand. Because to learn various subjects in the world understand outer subjects. If there's too much uh, sound on the outside, there are too many disturbing sounds or troubles, and uh, if the outer environment's chaotic, then we can't learn that subject, we can't study because we can't focus our mind. This is something subtle, this need to bring the mind to stillness. This, and we need to have samadhi, to have collectedness, to bring the mind to samadhi first, to bring the mind, and then having brought the mind to samadhi, then we're able to bring the mind to the state of having no defilements, having peace. But first we bring the mind to mental seclusion, to jitta viveka, to peace and collectedness then the mind's able to learn and study that all materiality and mentality is impermanent, stressful, and not self. Learning this, this is able to destroy the attachment in the mind, the attachment to the five aggregates, to destroy that attachment bit by bit, to bring the mind to emptiness bit by bit, and then to see the Dhamma. And having seen the Dhamma already, then one contemplates the body, one gives rise to knowledge and understanding. And this is something that's been closed off to the mind for a long time. The mind is thought that the, that the body is something beautiful for a long time, but then it starts to understand that the body is something not beautiful. When the mind sees it as not beautiful, then the mind is pure and bright and joyful. The mind sees the body as just these four elements, of earth, air, fire, and water that are of the nature to degrade, and emptiness arises in the mind. And one contemplates the body, it's just composed of various parts and natural elements, something that's empty, it's not beautiful. And this is when the mind starts to feel and see the Dhamma deeper and deeper. Then we really know and see that these qualities of collectedness and wisdom are important. 
when one sees like this, then one isn't tired or weary of one's meditation practice. But in the beginning, we need to have a lot of patient endurance first. To have this quality of fighting and have patient endurance with all things. If we have a lot of spiritual virtues already accumulated, then it goes quickly. In 10 or 15 days or one month, we can reach a level of samadhi if we have a lot of old parami. And if we practice continuously, then we'll see the Dhamma for certain. So may you all set your hearts on this.